spirit of appreciation always lifts. Spirit of thankfulness always lifts. Spirit of encouragement always lifts. Times it can be hard to be thankful, though, if you're going through a really tough reality. You know, Jesus never promised the church comfort. He promised at us the comforter. And so often we can want God to take away what's making us feel uncomfortable. And it's the wrong prayer. The prayer is, Lord, I need the comforter. Because when the comforter enters in and starts to form the word within you, it redefines what made you uncomfortable. And now there's a grace, there's a power, there's a person in you that redefines what that trial is. And there's now a capacity within you to say that is momentary compared to the eternal weight of glory that is being established within the vessel of glory called the house of God, the temple of God. Kirsten and I were talking this morning and you know they've got some challenges and some trials and I said to her, I said, you know, if we can see what we go through as a gift and if we can harness it as a gift, then we can use it to propel us into his presence. Pain seems to be one of the greatest motivators for change. I wish it wasn't. It's not the Father's first place, His lovers. But so often we tend to have to get to a place in our lives where we're in pain before we'll actually come to Him. I did. I had to get to a place where the pain was so intense on the inside that that pain, I could have gone to physical death or I could have gone to spiritual death. And one of the things I'm so grateful I did is I harnessed the pain and I sent it heavenly. And heaven heard the pain and the presence came. And then the presence filled the vessel with power, with presence, because in the presence is the power. And that's why when we cry out to God and we draw near to him and his presence comes, it's full of God and his power. But he doesn't want the power just on the outside of us. Amazing as that is, God wants his power, his presence in the vessel that he chose and gave life to, to have his presence in called the church. And so then you've got this oneness with the presence because the presence no longer is around you. The presence is in you. And it says the Holy Spirit wants to dwell and make his home in us. So if the Holy Spirit dwells in the church and if the Holy Spirit resides in the church and if the Holy Spirit abides within and we abide, then we're going to be full of presence, power, and we're not just full, we're going to be overflowing jars that the glory of God 
comes and manifests itself out of. Because we have become one, we are becoming one, and we are being perfected in one. So it is an event, and then it's a process. So when you receive the Holy Spirit, you become one, but then you have to become one. You have to be perfected in what you received. Some of us maybe just received a seed form. Some of us maybe received a pumpkin size. Maybe it was a football, a basketball, maybe it was even bigger than that. I don't know. It's really not that important. All that's important is to the measure you received, he wants to grow it. Isn't that cool? He wants to enlarge the tent pegs of your with his presence. Revelation is the jurisdiction of your faith. Write that down. Revelation is the jurisdiction in which your faith operates. Hence, you need greater revelation for your faith to increase through hearing the word. Because you're not to operate outside of faith in God, are you? So revelation, the revelation of God you carry is the boundary in which you operate from, which you have faith in, the unseen. So how does your revelation grow? He gives you continuous revelation. That's why you go from glory to glory to glory, not up, down, up, down, up, down. Because we're not talking about external. Your external life might go up, down, up, down, up, down. You might go through trials and tribulations. You might lose your job tomorrow. You might have a health scare tomorrow. Someone might die that you love. So you can go through trials and tribulations and times of suffering, but that's not your inside. That's your outside. The inside doesn't go up, down, up, down, up, down. In Christ, it goes from revelation to revelation to revelation, glory to glory to glory to glory to glory. Aren't we going from glory to glory? Well, we're supposed to be. Okay? So the wrestlers, are you actually going from glory to glory? Are you going from one measure of revelation to another, 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 to another? Okay, so that's the hope he has for the church, correct? He wants to reveal more and more and more and more of his son because the Bible clearly says, Greg, you do not yet know as you ought to know. So in the last days, I'm going to reveal what you don't know so you can live a life that's eternal. But you've been living a life that's eternal. But as you live and receive more, you're able to live more of an eternal life. And I want to perfect you in an eternal life, which we've heard from Dave, is one life, not two. It's not earth and eternal. It's either earth or eternal. Listen to what Peter said. Serve God willingly. Finish the message. There you go. (laughs) But what did I say? Serve God willingly. You guys, you don't serve me. You serve him. So don't look for a thanks from me. (laughs) Consider it a bonus if you get one. 
And I won't look for a thanks from you for serving you. <laughs> it says, do all your things heartily for Greg. <laughs> hey, Danny. <laughs> no, it says, do all your things heartily for the... Because the Lord rewards. And a servant really is a servant who doesn't look for a thank you because that's what they are. They're a servant. So they serve. They're bond servants. That's all they do. They don't look for thank yous or blessings. They just serve because that's who they are. But they have a capacity in them to live that the world doesn't have. They have a presence and a substance within them and they're able to do things that other people can't do because they've tasted of glory. Man, can I get one of those? <laughs> Princess is getting served right there, aren't you? Gee, look at that. <clears throat> no, nah, but you could bless me. <laughs> Listen to this. Therefore, this is Peter, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. He's a partaker of the glory that is to be revealed. How do you partake of something if it is still to be revealed? Because you're ahead of the game. You're in Christ. You can live before. That's trippy, eh? Jesus was the resurrection before the resurrection. So if you're in Christ, you're in a life that's outworking itself, and you're coming into more and more and more and more, and as I said, he's making you ready for all things in him. Because it's all finished. So everything is finished before it began. You see what you can't understand in your mind? Everything is finished before it began. The end was written, then you started at the beginning. No, you start at the beginning, then you finish. No, no not in God. God finished the end, and they said, right, let's start. Which means your start must be defined by the end. Yeah. Like if you don't know the end, then your start becomes, sorry, if you don't know the end, you create your own end. So you don't start well. People in the body of Christ say things didn't go well. I said, no, they didn't start well. You actually started from the wrong place, thinking you were starting from the right place. You see, the disciples did not start knowing the end from the beginning. They didn't even know who he was. So they didn't have oneness with him, but they would. But they didn't when they walked with him. Do we? Because we're 2,000 years after. Like, have you tasted this glory? Tasted it. Drunk of it. Christ in you, the hope of. So have you tasted of it? Has it altered the way you live? Momentary light affliction in accordance to what? The glory that is being formed in me. So the glory that is being formed in me, what he went through, he considered nothing. Did the guy go through nothing? So what happened to Paul? Was he stoned almost to death? 
momentary light affliction. Compared to the glory that was in him. You've got to have something to compare with to make it, this is good news. Like if you're getting stoned to death and you don't have anything to compare it to, it's not a good day. (laughs) It wasn't a good day for Christ when they ripped and tore his body to shreds, correct? Like he was unrecognizable. They ripped the beard off his face. Chris, that would be painful, would it not? Yes, indeed. But he said, I've got a joy in me. For the joy he went to the cross. What does he talk? The joy of what? He saw you and I. Do you see him that way? Like he had a substance. Paul had a substance. Peter didn't, but he came into a substance because he didn't have a clue what this glory was that he's talking about when he walked with him. But he would. Because that was what was prophesied. You will go where I am going. You will follow, but you can't right now. You actually have to learn from me some things for you to transaction and transition into this way. And son, you don't have a clue who I am. But you will. Isn't he good? Challenges you've got to be prepared to follow. You see, disciples follow. Don't they? And disciples want to be like the master, don't they? But there's this thing called a justified believer who's washed in blood but doesn't actually really follow. They go through all the religious motion and tradition, but their reverence for God is in traditions learnt by rote. And what they do is they honor God with their lips. So they say all the right things and they answer all the right questions, but they remove their heart. So they keep their heart covered over and far from God, but they're around it because they sort of want to be around it, but ultimately they're a little bit afraid of what it all is. So I'll be around it, but I won't let them in. So I'll say all the right things, I'll put all the right masks on, I'll act all the right way, but really life stays the same because I've removed my heart from him. Like I've actually made an active choice to keep him at a distance. But what you're doing if you do that is sabotaging your own eternal life where you could know a life that can say, Everything I go through is momentary light affliction compared to the glory that's being invested and poured into me. Which is not done through ink. It is not done through your ability to understand the scriptures in your mind. It's in the spirit's ability to engrave the living word on your heart and on your mind. And the Spirit and the Spirit alone brings you into this divine oneness through power. Your role was to lay your complete life down. But you or me might be keeping our heart away. And that's the very thing that you need to give. That's the one thing God asks for is your heart. He doesn't ask you to change yourself. He doesn't ask you to change your relatives. He doesn't ask you to change yourself. He doesn't ask you to He knows you can't change you. So he doesn't ask you to. He says, will you give me all your heart? 
The one thing. Rich young ruler, there's only one thing, man. Martha, there's only one thing. How simple does he make it? We complicate it. Complexity is the enemy of simplicity. And what complexity is, is you try to understand and you try to enter this life. You try to possess and access the life that's in the spirit through your carnal, worldly mind. And it doesn't work, does it? But you continue to bash on that door thinking it's going to open. And you bash and you bash. And man, you get a sore head. But it's never, ever, ever going to open. Because it's locked on the inside. And it's a really thick door. And it has to say shut so you don't break open and enter something you can't. So you give up. And then he says this, I've come as the bread of life. I've come to give you life. Why do you come to me? You come because you see the miracles that I do. That's okay. Why do you come? You come because you had your fill. That's okay. But the reason I do the miracle and the reason why I give you natural food is to actually bring you to me so you know, know that as much as the miracle comes through me, I'm greater than the miracle. So I'm taking you from this miracle in John 6 of feeding 15,000 plus people that you would actually feed off me. And I'm feeding you of natural food and the poor and the widow, not so you would have to keep doing that, but you would actually come to me and together we would sit down and then we would partake together. And you would be a partaker of my flesh, which is real food. And you would be a partaker of my blood, which is real drink. And if you don't know and learn how to partake of me, but keep asking me to do miracle after miracle, I may or may not to do that if that is my will. But you will never be internally, eternally changed because you're not eating and drinking of my blood or my body. But how do you do that when you can't even see him? Like you can see that in front of you and you can take that because that's earthy, isn't it? What was at your table was earthy, natural bread, natural juice. But Jesus is talking about himself, and he's not talking about cannibalism. But that's what the Jewish people who become disciples thought he was talking about. Let's go to John 6. And so often my, so often we, we say, are we going to have communion? And I say, we have communion every time we're partaking of Christ. But communion has become like what we just had, like once a month. No, communion is every time you commune with him. It's 24-7 common union with God. Like it's a union with the Father all the time because he wants to partake of himself within you because you're eating and you're drinking real food and real blood. But I'm talking in the spirit. Like, well, where do you get this food, Greg? Well, you've got to know for yourself. You actually have to know him. And if you know him, you know where the food is, because it's him. 
So I can talk about my testimony. I can share my reality of the lifestyle of how I position myself. But you can do all that, but what you don't necessarily have is the life that's in me. So you get up early, you go for walks, you pray certain prayers, you study these things and do all this thing and nothing. Because it's not being done from the Spirit, it's by you trying to activate through copying someone else. And that's where there's no formula. There is no method. The method is Jesus. And that's too simple for us guys. No, I need the but and the and. No, you need to come into oneness with your Father because you're still in two-ness. If you have an and and a but and a how, it's because you haven't yet been brought into oneness in a way that you understand oneness. Because when you understand oneness, you know you're one with the one who's one. And all the questions go away. Now the questions are good, but the questions just highlight what's in your heart. So there's no shame in that because you have to ask the question to realize you're not necessarily where you think you might be. But then you have to hear what's given. Otherwise, you keep asking the same question, and the answer is being unfolded time and time and time and time and time again, but you're unaware. Is this making any sort of spiritual sense? (laughs) And so that's why a person has to keep giving you the same reality. So don't get frustrated that they're telling you the answer that's heavenly and you can't hear it going, are you going to give me another answer soon? No, because I didn't. I can't give you another answer. I have to give you the word, the truth. Sometimes I say, stop asking me for cyanide. People say, I'm not. I say, you are. Asking for cyanide and what you're asking for, so I'm not going to give it to you. I'm going to give you what you need, not what you want. Fathers and mothers give their children what they need, not what they want. If I gave my children what they wanted, oh my goodness. <laughs> Be chaos, wouldn't it? But we know that because we've all lived that ourselves. <laughs> it's a very quick yes from my wife, isn't it? <laughs> So John 6 is not about feeding 15,000 people. John 6 is not about feeding people natural food as the primary. John 6 is a Messiah issue. He uses the miracle to bring you to who do you say I am. It's just worded differently because he tells everyone I'm the bread of life. But they're hearing in the natural You know the bread that came down from heaven? You're only about 33 years old. This doesn't figure out what's going on with this thing. But they're all hearing through a lens of what? Yeah, but what did they have? What was their reference for what they're hearing through? The law. Now, in accordance to the law, do you drink blood? Can you see why they were so apparent in thinking this can't be the Messiah? Because in their natural thinking, they were going, the Messiah wouldn't say drink blood. Certainly wouldn't say eat flesh. So they are completely off track, aren't they? You're not sure? You see, the law was spiritual. The law was holy. They were not of the spirit. So they couldn't have heard it. It means they didn't even know it, but they thought they did. 
Because you can't know the law just like you can't know the word without the Holy Spirit. But you can think you do. But your life doesn't reflect it. Which is the evidence that it's not. So your life will reflect the reality of the spoken written word. Because this does what it does. It is absolute. It is one. We tracking? He who believes in me, as the scriptures say, from the innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Is God a liar? Is he unchangeable? Is that an absolute truth? Right. What does our living waters look like? Through our belief. Which means you have to ask yourself what it is to believe. Because that seems to be the key to the living waters. Yeah? And believe is not, I mentally agree. Belief is a living conviction that pierces the heart, that creates a life in the heart. And all of a sudden you're like going, I believe. The man who went, help me with my unbelief, understood he didn't believe. Because when the reality he was faith would turn up, he got, I actually don't believe. Would you help me in my unbelief? But he thought he believed. And that's the difference between the first work of God is to believe is not, yes, I agree with you that you're the bread of life. The first work of God is I believe in my heart and I have a living conviction that you are the Messiah. So if you only believe in your head, then when the person speaks contrary to what you believe, you walk away from him. You do what they did. Correct? Who can listen to this? How have you been over the last two and a half days? Dave's a mess. Honesty. What about anyone else? Any pride popping up somewhere? No, no, not at all. How do you know? Have you gone and tested it? Or is it challenging a mindset like it was challenging their mindsets? Like who can understand? Ah, mistake right there. You don't understand, you receive. There's a few laughs over here. (laughs) Because their entire reference point for what they were taught was Not quite accurate, was it? It's a Messiah issue. How do you say you're a disciple and walk away from the Messiah? Because you don't hear what he says when he says it. You hear what you think you hear, and you have a reference for something that's not him. So you've actually created your own doctrine. But you're supposed to be one with him. Peter had a revelation That he was the Messiah. How did he get his revelation? Through flesh and blood? Through the Father. Correct. So, when everyone else is walking away, because this whole chapter, the context is a Messiah issue, correct? Not a signs and miracle issue. Not a feeding the poor, the widows issue. It's a Messiah issue. So, when everyone else is walking away, not to follow Jesus anymore. He turns. Have you ever seen the eyes of love pierce you? I have too. (laughs) Yeah. When the eyes of love are looking back at your eyes, fix your eyes on the perfecter and the author 
of this entire thing called faith. And love is looking, love pierces the darkness. And everything that dark, <laughs> it's got to go, man, because the light is greater than the dark. So imagine you're Peter. You imagine Jesus. You're the Messiah. You've come to save the world. And many of the people that say they believe in you are leaving you. Jesus doesn't run after them. Why not? Why doesn't Jesus run after them? Say that, Ollie. He's listening to the Father. Whose ultimate responsibility are they? So whose ultimate responsibility is everyone in your life? So why are you worried? Why are you worried about yourself? You know, the greatest thing that keeps Christians becoming the fulfillment of them in Christ is parents that worry about their children who are going off the rails or non-Christians. You spend more time worrying about your children than actually doing the will of God. Because you don't know they're actually his kids, not yours. And so you're living from a natural earthly standard he wants to free you from. You see, you take all that time and energy and thought and you put it into worry and anxiousness. Am I lying? Just one area. Could be finances. Whatever it is, but you're not actually getting on board with the will of God. So when he speaks a reality you don't necessarily like or understand because it's eternal, not earthy, you go, I'm out of here too. Because that's just a mountain too high to climb. But he turns and he looks at this guy, Peter, and he looks him straight in the eyes and says, are you going to? Ah, well, I was thinking about it. Um, is there another option? And what does Peter say? Should we read it? Yeah. Lord, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? There's nowhere else to go. Nowhere but follow you. Have you found that place yet? We're like, to walk away from God would be to destroy your life and to enjoy the world would be to destroy life. You know, sometimes, man, I was like, oh, flag the whole lot. Let's flag it, man. Be so much easier to not. But he's not into easy. And so many people want easy and comfortable. And I'm talking about Christians, man. If it's not comfortable, oh, well, I don't go there. You need the comforter. It is not easy or comfortable being a follower of Jesus. It is not easy having a grace on your life and trying to live that out, knowing that most people won't understand it. But you've got to live it anyway. And I'm not just talking about me, I'm talking about you. You know, you're in that situation where you're confronted with, do they even know you follow Jesus in your workplace? It's amazing when Christians who work in the same place figure out that two people are Christians. How come they don't know? 
It's undercover Christianity. Nobody knows you're even there. Even the Christians don't even know each other's a Christian. What's that about? So if Jesus turns up and that's your heartbeat and says, are you going now? And everyone has just left. You need a revelation of him as Messiah, which is what Peter had. It held him when everyone else is gone. See the power of revelation of who do you say I am? Not a mental agreement because they would say in the book, we found the one that the prophets wrote about. And then they said, who is he? What? I thought you knew him. So then why is Jesus asking them, who do you say I am, if they knew him? Because Jesus knew they didn't know him because they weren't yet eating his flesh and drinking his blood. But when he said it, a whole lot of people that were supposed to be following him got upset and then hiked it out of there. And you know what? We do exactly the same. We bounce from church to church. Badoing, 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 got hurt there, badoing, got hurt here, badoing. I hurt someone there, they left, badoing. And it's just this church hopping thing, whatever that really is, because you don't live for family. So I don't really understand that because I'm part of a family, not part of an institution. Because I'm in Christ and I partake of Christ and I understand this is a family. And you don't leave family, you work out the issues. Because there's so much at stake. Oh, where's my mum? Sorry, mum. You know, you told me off that time when I was 15 because I wanted Matthew to come over and you said, no, you probably can't remember. And I went behind your back and you grilled me. And then I actually told you, if you can't even remember, I said, I hate you and I wish you were dead. <laughs> yeah, pretty rough, eh? To wish my father came home. That's right. Bit of authority walked through the door. There was authority here, but greater authority walked through the door. And it's like, yeah, I'm bigger than you. I can take you down, but I can't take him down. <laughs> I didn't leave and my mum didn't leave me because I said those words. My dad came and through discipline, he straightened me. <laughs> Good old fashioned discipline. Oh no, that's abuse confuse it all don't we he didn't touch me it's what he said it's what he said it's what the father says he doesn't need to touch you if you hear what he says what he says the word arrests you it brings you and it redirects you and it points you in a brand new direction where you would never say that to someone that loves you that's given you life because that was dishonor. And I had to be taught what it was then to re-honor. And it was the father that straightened me up. Because he loved me. But said, son, that is not good enough in this home. But it was a beautiful rebuke. It was a gentle, firm rebuke. But the son heard. He didn't touch me. It's what he said. And Jesus says this. In John 6, 53, Jesus said, God spoke and creation came into being. How much weight do you give to the spoken word? 
which is the written word. Isn't that right? Because the written word didn't exist till it was spoken. So they're one and the same thing, really, aren't they? I mean, the whole thing is living because it's spoken. So Jesus spoke a living word. <clears throat> truly, truly, John 6.53, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. Once again, you can partake of natural bread and natural juice and still have no life in you because that's earth and we're talking eternal. So this is eternal food, which John 6.27, Jesus says, do not work for food which perishes, that, but for the food which endures to eternal life, him, which the Son of Man will give to you. Who gives this food? He does. So once again, we're back to that how-to. He gives it. He gives it. So the one who gives it says, you need to eat my flesh and you need to drink my blood. Otherwise, the outcome, because there's always an outcome associated with everything Jesus says. So if you don't know what it is to eat me and drink of me, you have no life within you. Now, God wants his life within us, correct? What type of life does he want in there? Eternal life, which is not eternity. It's an eternal substance. It's the life that was in him. Joy, peace, love, fruit of the, not the fruits, the fruit of the spirit. So then that, is a constant perfecting within you, correct? And that's just one. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. And I will raise him up on the last day. Well, I was raised up in 1997. Well, that was my beginning. Like I started to get born again. So I got raised to a brand new life from being dead, but I'm going to be raised up again when he returns, yeah? Because I'm going to, if I don't, if I physically die before he comes, then he needs to raise me, but I'm raised now. But if I'm alive, he's just going to take me with him when he comes. So the dead in Christ will raise first, and those that are alive will go. And then there's a judgment for both. But I got raised the day I got born again, because I was dead. And the power came, and that reality there entered into me as a non-Christian. Like, I didn't have any idea of God. I got no idea this is what you're supposed to do. Like, I don't say this prayer. I'm just on a phone call trying to sell some golf clubs. Like, it's out of the box, man. No, it's in Christ. So I start in Christ, not in this stuff. I'm not interested in your songs. I'm not interested in Jesus. I'm not interested in being a Christian. I didn't want to be a Christian. But he went, well, tough. I want you to be a Christian. 
Because, son, you don't know it, but you were predestined to be mine. I didn't even want to be the leader of this church. I said, no. No way, man. That's what I said to Anthony when he came on your bike. I'm out of here, Jack. But God went, eh, 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 eh. And I woke up in 2006 with a grace in my heart that I did not have in 2005. I didn't want to be here. I'm being really truthful. I did not want to lead this church. I was on staff here. The crap I've gone through here. From the people here. If it's in me, I'm gone. I am gone out the door like a lot of other people. But I wasn't raised in Christianity. I've been raised in Christ. And Christ says, son, you don't go anywhere. Because to do that is to run away from the will. So you are absolutely stuffed. 100%. It's bad that way. It's bad that way. How bad do you want it to be? It's bad both ways. Oh, great. So what's the other choice? I've got to stay with you. <laughs> Where else am I going to go, God? I've tried the world. It's pretty bad in the church because they hate you like the world. Because all you're trying to do is say, hey, do you know Jesus? And you start offending people that think they do who've got degrees, but they know nobody. And the Christ in you threatens all their theology and what they believe and what they're doing and their offering. And you're just trying to be nice. Seriously, man. All the rock stars that were up there. Can you just not play? What? Not play? It's my gift. I don't want you to play. I want a bit of quiet. He actually wants quiet. You've offended me. See ya. Whose gift was it? And why did he give it? Well, it's for every gift. Whether you're a teacher, whether you're this, whether you're that. It's not for you, it's for him. But if you don't know what this is, then you make it about you. And you become the hero of your own story. So when it all gets too hard, you're gone. You don't have in you the capacity to stay like him. He came into hell called the Sanhedrin. The greatest demonic opposition was in his people. And he didn't run. He stayed and he died because he was dead. Only dead people can stay because they're dead of self and full alive in Christ. And they have a capacity in them to be patient, kind, and gentle when people do not like them, speak against them, lie about them, start rumors about them, and you consider it pure joy. Momentary, light affliction compared to the trials of that producing perseverance. Perseverance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope never disappoints because he then fills you with the power of the Holy Spirit and you become a vessel that's able to live something you never could live and it's got nothing to do with you. So you can't take the credit 
but you'll give the credit back to God and you'll glorify God and you'll boast in your weakness, not your strength, but it was your weakness that got you to be strong. But it ain't from mental agreement with scriptures of understanding the text and making this a history book. It's about eating and drinking the Christ, full stop, which he said, no one else, he said was real food and real drink. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, what? Abides in me and... Go, Anne, what's the, just finish it off. No, abides in me and I in him. Okay. That happens to me too. Especially in my coloring in book. I see it, I don't read it. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Oneness. Abides in me, I in him. I in him abides in me. Jesus comes in and he makes his home in you, correct? Correct, Ronnie? But then you need to make your home in him. You see, there's always the two part of a one part picture. And we're not that good in being in both parts, which is one part. We tend to be in one and not the other. We don't know how to walk this earth with one eye on earth and one eye looking up. We're either two eyes up or two eyes down, but we don't know how to do the duel, which is actually one position because we're not yet one with God in a way that's mature enough to walk like God. So we're all about miracles. We just don't love. We're all about prophecy, but we just don't love. We're all about reaching the lost, but we're not about prophecy. We're all about playing live music and writing books, but we're just not about loving the lost. You see, we flip-flop like a jandal. And we go from extreme to extreme, and we miss the midway point. Because <laughs> that's what we do. But when you partake of him, he's a plumb line. And he straightens you. He's the great apostle. He's the great chiropractor who grabs your back and goes, click, 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 click. Now, walk free. Truth is self-evident. Your framework determines your function. If you're out of alignment with God, your function is out of alignment. So he has to come and do an inner work through eating and drinking his flesh. Otherwise, you have no life in you, which means you're not abiding in him. Most people think abiding is hearing, give Kirsten $10 tonight. There you go. That is a form of hearing his voice, but that's not hearing his word.
Can we have any takers on 100? 100, 110, 110, 120. We're going for 120. 125 from Kaitaia. 125 from Kaitaia for this side. It's his money anyway. Did you hear what I just said before we started laughing though? Hearing his voice and hearing his word are two different things. So you can hear his voice go and do something, but that's not hearing the abiding word. So you can do all that and have no life in you. They were hearing him speak all the time, but didn't even hear him, but heard him. So they didn't have any life in them, did they? Outside of the revelation Peter got in his mind, he denied Jesus because he didn't have life of Jesus in him yet. Yet. So he wasn't abiding with, and John says that, the Holy Spirit is with you and he will be in you. He's with you, but he's not yet in you. So he's walking with you, but he's not yet in you. Do you know the difference between the Holy Spirit being with you and then when the Holy Spirit comes in you? And all of a sudden, you now have the ability to partake of Christ. So not only are you abiding in him, he's abiding in you. And John 15 says, when that happens, oh, look out. The inner realm is about to explode. Is Jesus Christ the true vine? Cool. So if Jesus Christ is the true vine and he's within you and he's a tree, then what do you think you're going to have produced in you if you're a branch connected to the vine in you? Fruit, right. Now, we may receive Jesus Christ as a seed form. Starts in seed form. But the seed wants to grow. But who's the seed? The impenetrable seed is the word. Who is the word? Okay, so Christ is a tree though. He's a true vine. Like he's like the biggest cowrie tree you can imagine, so don't touch him. Can't touch us. That was bad. That was a Paul Costello joke right there. I just lost it, Father. Sorry. But if you receive Christ in seed form, an impenetrable seed, that seed wants to grow. Isn't the kingdom of God like a mustard seed? But what does it become? The largest of garden plants. It says a little bit, it's like the mustard seed, the kingdom is like a leaven, it grows and it fills the hole. So who needs to get full? You and I. Who's the house that harbors the Holy Spirit? Right. But he wants to make room. He wants to fill every room, yeah? Like he wants to take over, like it's a coup. He comes in and wants every aspect of you. He wants all your heart. He wants all your mind. He wants all your emotions. He wants all your body. He does not want you to give yourself away to another. For you have been predestined. If you do... You are soliciting yourself to another. You are actually giving yourself away, but you think it's natural because that's what you're taught in the natural because that's what the natural does. Like in the natural, it's okay to love a wife more than God. In the natural, it's okay to love a child more than God. In the natural, it's probably okay to love your possessions more than God because you don't know God. 
But when you come to know God and God starts to speak, all of a sudden everything shifts and all the conditions are just changed. Like you're now in a completely different kingdom. So you've left the kingdom of the world, which you loved, which you were working in, and now you're rescued. And now there's a whole set of rules that are completely opposite to those. So now you're confronted with this reality that you're not to love your wife more than. You can love your wife, but don't love her more than. The word hate is very strong, and it's there to show you how vile God finds that when you choose a woman over him, a man over him, because they did not die for you. They are of you. I did, and I chose you for you. So why are you choosing someone else? Then you populate the earth with these little people. (laughs) They get entangled around your heart. And God's now got a quarter. And then you love football. Now he's got an eighth. And the list goes on to where he's got next to nothing. But you'll still go through your religious ceremonies and your traditions and say you love him. And the way out of that is to partake of him. But the way out of that means you've got to let go of some of these things and move this way. And some of us are stuck tonight, man. Like we're stuck, eh? I know you want to, but you can't. You really want to. I know you're loving what you're hearing, but I know some of you think it's so outside of your capacity, and it is. But instead of getting excited, it's being a bit of a downer. And it's actually heavy when it should be light. Because the burden of God is not heavy, it's light. And it's because you're not hearing it the way you need to hear it. And I just want to encourage you in that so you can help. If it's being weighty or heavy, it's not being heard the way it needs to be heard because it should be exciting. Like if you come to me as a five-year-old and said, son, Greg, you're going to play for Liverpool, man. Like you're going to play with some of the great players. And I grew up and started to practice. I would be looking ahead to that day. I would be disciplining myself. It wouldn't be a bummer. Maybe playing for Everton or Man United. I can understand that. But not playing for the glorious Reds. That's like playing for heaven, man. Like it is not a bummer. Not at all. So the invitation is exciting. Oh man, I get to what? Follow you. I get to live with you. I get to be like you. I get to... Fly like the birds and be free? How can that be boring? That's life. But when you hear about the process to life, that's when it's like, oh. But he's even fixed all that. He says, you need to eat me and drink of me. You need to learn. You need to come like a child who knows nothing. Nothing, so much has to be unlearned. So much has to be broken down. That's what God said here. When he took me aside, he said, son, I am going to dismantle parts of your thinking in the way you lead because man has taught you and it is wrong. Good intent, but it's not me. I came in the right way, but in the way I was leading people, I was leading from me, not God. 
Because I'm so full of love and I'm so full of power and I'm so full of passion that every single person on this planet needs to hear about love that I've received. Like I went to one of those motivational things at Victoria University with my flatmates because my flatmates were non-Christians looking for life. <laughs> like I remember, going, I remember going there and knocking on the door and it was really funny because I was in that time. God's got a wicked sense of humor, man, I'm telling you. Can I diverse a little bit? Okay, open myself up a little bit. So I got married for three and a half years and that didn't work out and I was a broken mess. And God picked the man up who was broken and gave him a brand new start. <laughs> I never thought I'd be married again. And I never thought I'd have kids. Who wants to marry a divorced person? Man, the Christians will tell you that. Smash them. Smash them. Smash them. But God has other plans at times. And I'll be really honest. You know, I used to like the ladies. Yep. <laughs> And so it was interesting because I come out of this broken state and God's picking me up and he's healing me and I'm flatting with my younger brother and we're in Melrose and he says, bro, I want to go uh, flat with my girlfriend. I'm like, oh, great, okay, I'll move out here, can't afford here. So I start looking for a flat. And I'm like, oh, I'm applying for different things. And the last thing I need is to be around females. I want to find a flat with just guys because I'm trying to break free of old patterns of life. I'm free of me, but I'm not free of some of the old patterns. So I want to live for him, but some of my thought process and my emotions are still messed up. So the last thing I want to be is with females. Anyway, I apply for this flat. I knock on my door. And who opens the door but these two really good-looking blondes? I'm like, what are you doing, God? This is not, he said, this is the place. <laughs> no, no, no. I had not met Danny, okay, at this stage. No, no, no. He said, yeah, this is the place. I'm like, but they're really good-looking, and I don't want to go down pathways that have gone before. He says, this is the place. Okay, this is the place. Now, long story short, you know what I was needing was friendship. And I found friendship with these girls. And they were there and were able to walk with me as non-Christians. So when we would go out, I didn't need to be with another female. I didn't need to end up somewhere I didn't want to be because they were my friends and we can have a boogie and I like to dance and I like to go. I've never really been a big drinker, but I'll get out and have a good dance and stuff. And so they were like companions and God saw that and God aligned me, but they were really good looking. <laughs> and I'm like, what are you doing? He says, trust me, I know what I'm doing and I'll empower you to not go there. And I remember, I never did, and I never did with anybody. And at times, you're even put in front of you when we would have parties, and it's like, Gordon Bennett, the invitation. It used to be get a dance on the dance floor, and it was a win when I was 18. Now it's like, do you want to go there? Uh, no. I'm trying to get away from that. Like, getting a dance was hard. Now it's like, do you want to go to bed? And it's the girl asking. I might surprise you, I had hair back then. 
I'm like, when did it go from yes to a dance? Did you want to go to bed? And I'm trying to get free of it all. And now it's right in front of you. You know, I remember waking up in the morning going, yes, there's nobody there. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. I knew that I would never get right and I would never meet my wife now unless I went on a journey of allowing God to do a work in me and heal and fill. And it was two years. And I knew if I never was obedient to that, I would have destroyed this relationship. Hands down, I would have destroyed it because I would have used it to try and fill something And then it wouldn't have filled it, so I would have let it go, and I would have gone to the next one. And he said, if you continue living like this, you will completely wreck every relationship you're trying to find life in, because the only life is in me. And then he started to show me what it is for this, and what it means for this, but it's all from the unseen. Like it is not something you figure out in the natural, it happens to you. And when it happens in you and to you, you now know what it is to abide. It's not something you even consciously think about. It just happens. So I was talking with my mom. I said, he speaks all the time. Like I'm watching football and he's speaking. And he doesn't mind me watching football while he speaks. And I go, yeah, thanks. So I stop. I write down what he says. Awesome. And I get back watching football. He's a Liverpool supporter. (laughs) And I'm hoping he's an England supporter tomorrow. I'll be driving and he speaks. Yes, I'll have some quiet time and he speaks. I'll be at a cafe and he speaks. It's not limited. It's not bound in just spending three hours in a room with your closet closed. If that's your thing, cool. But if he doesn't speak in there, maybe that's not the thing. So then don't copy it if someone else does it because it's not about anything external. It's about an internal reality of power, of supernatural. So he just speaks. Like you don't even times need to pray and he's speaking because he wants to speak. It's just whether you want to hear. But please do because it's like, and I don't mean speaking to do, I mean revelation to feed on. So he speaks to do, but he also speaks, and it goes in. Like in you, like the other morning I woke up, I was asleep. So this is this eating my flesh and drinking my blood while you're actually asleep. So I'm half awake, sort of half asleep, but I know I'm asleep, but I'm Aware, and he starts talking and speaking revelation while I'm actually asleep, which is what Psalms 127 1 to 2 says, doesn't it? Like, while you're asleep, he'll build you. And so he starts speaking and he leaves you scriptures and all these things, but it's revelation on the inside. It's like food that is growing on the inside. It's power because he is the power of God. So all of a sudden there's a deposit being deposited into your spirit, your mind, which is a spiritual mind. And now you know stuff and you can see it. Now he says, get up and go about your day. 
Like, how much of that is me trying? Can you hear the difference between eternal and earth? And so when this becomes the way of being, like it's a mode of operation, it's not you're out of it and in it. You're in it, in it, in it, in it, in it, in it, in it. Because every measure of revelation has you going further. Like, how much can I actually know? He says, well, I've given you the spirit without limit. How much do you want? Now, here's the thing. I'm fully aware that right now, spiritually, your capacity might be full. Even though you have an unlimited capacity of spirit, your capacity could be full. Because when this starts to go, and when what we've heard starts to speak, you can only handle so much to the measure of your revelation. And all of a sudden it's like, ah, can please stop, I'm about to implode. Anybody feeling this? It's like, you've got to stop, please, just please stop, because I can't take any more. And that's okay, but the reality is the person beside you can. So what you have to do is go, I've got my feed for the day. I'm content with my feed. So keep speaking and I'm not even going to try. In fact, I might just have a little sleep. (laughs) And that's cool. But there might be other people with a greater capacity, which you can have, but at the moment you don't have it because what did I say about Revelation. It's the jurisdiction of your faith. And I'm speaking by faith. So I'm speaking tonight of everything I'm living in from here, and it's coming out because I've seen it and I eat it. But if that's not real reality, then it can, your capacity can get full real quick. And if you're really trying to understand me in your mind, your head is going to really hurt. <laughs> and at times you go, oh, would you shut up? Please shut up. The God's going, Speak. And I've got to obey God, not you. So have freedom in God and go, it's cool, man, keep preaching, but I'm just going to have a sleep. Because it ain't a performance. Because we're family. Now, the flip side of that is, I also need to be aware, if the entire room is full, (laughs) and everybody's going, Greg, we're out of capacity now. And God's going, Greg, they're out of capacity. Shut up. (laughs) Hey, Greg's got to shut up. Because then I need to be obedient to you guys and what he's saying, because that's not serving you. As much as I want more, can you fit more? No, we lost you about five hours ago. (laughs) I know this all goes on, man. Because it's my wrestle too. So your wrestle is different to my wrestle, but it's the same wrestle. Like I'm going, man, out of the library of the word I know, which one do you want to say today? God, there's 30,000 things. Should I give them all 30,000? No. It's that one. Okay, I want you to talk about partaking tonight. I want you to take them to John and just unpack that. But let it come out. I remember one person saying to me, Greg, you asked us to drink, but man, you're a fire hydrant. <laughs> I said, imagine that, trying to drink from a fire hydrant. <laughs> I said, thank you, that's good. I said, don't be a little tap though. Don't be a trickle. 
you have to figure out how you handle this thing that's given you called the word. Because it can blow you up and it can blow others up. But what you don't want to do is give an intellectual persuasive argument through rationale, reason and logic. Because that does no one any good. He's good, eh? And we can have a laugh. Because we are to enjoy. One of the things I said to the music guys, I said, let's enjoy this. Like so often we can be so worried about, are we playing this chord? Are we playing that chord? Have we got the right song? Have we got it in the right key? I mean, I am a nightmare to work with on the music. (laughs) Oh, like you're an angel, bro, right? You're an angel. ALJ. <laughs> but what enables it is him. Because we know as family and as brothers and sisters, because that's what God is doing, there's something bigger than all of us called him. And what covers us is him. And so we don't focus so much on that. Although I'm not saying we don't want to get things right, but the focus is him. And I said this to Jay and Al the other day. I said, be released. The outcome is not yours. It's him. He'll do it with or without you. But he wants to do it with you. But that's not the first place position. God's first place position is him. Because it's his will. Then he invites you to partner with what he's doing. Not what you're doing. What he's doing. So we're to become the greatest two ICs. But we are not the main role. That's where all the stress, the pressure, and that's not the abiding life. Because I do not read any part in here and in my relationship with Christ that says, I will give you stress. I'll give you burnout, and I'll crush you for ministry for me. Who wants to sign up? Yeah, that sounds like fun. Momentary light affliction compared to being... No, that's not what Jesus says. That is the fruit of man. And you see a lot of it in people like me because in the leading and the function that still operates within me, I'm not in fellowship. So I'm actually still in my strength, my understanding, thinking it's my role to motivate all you to go change your world. That is not it. Not it. And I was apprehended and arrested from God, by God, and repointed. And when the Lord rebukes you, it is the most beautiful thing. It is not like a person coming who wants to cut your head off and tell you how wrong you've got it. He comes and he sits beside you, puts his arm around you, and has a conversation with you. And he shows you. And then all of a sudden you're going... Ah, that's why that was like that, eh? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, that's why that happened, eh? Uh Uh-huh. You know all those motivational, evangelistical training you did? Yeah. How many people actually showed up and came along? Oh, not that many. Why is that, son? Um, I'm not sure. No, you do know. Uh, 
Because they don't know you? Yeah. Oh. He said this, how did you get to know me? Uh, well, through a phone call. <laughs> yeah, what happened when you picked up that phone? You filled me. Yeah, son, they don't know me. So why are you leading to a world that don't know me and a church that doesn't know me either? Because the fruit of your life and the frustration of your life has been evident because you've been trying to take a people into a world that don't really know me because they don't really want to go. But you did, but why did you do where they didn't? Because I put me in you through divine grace and power and now the motivation to actually want to tell everybody is now come from me, not you. So some, here's the new commission. Lead them to me and not to a lost world so they can know me so they'll go to a lost world. But do you know that every leader must be apprehended from that function thing? Because I've got a gift of leadership on me, and it's huge. It was prophesied over me. It's massive. But that gift of leadership must be handed back to God, and then God give it back. Otherwise, I define it, and I get in trouble, you get in trouble, and I'm driving you. So I needed to give me and you the freedom to be you and discover him for him, not me trying to motivate and get you there to a whole lot of people that you're not even going to know how to share with him because you're just telling about a dead guy on a tree. And this has been this journey for 11 years. And part of my abiding testimony is I am so free and I am so in rest. People say, it's funny when people come to you who aren't and they think you're going to be like them. Oh, it must be really hard. Like, has it been really stressful putting becoming one on? Well, no, because I'm not really doing any of the work. <laughs> Rochelle and Kirk have. Me and Noel have just been checking in. That's what leadership does, checks in. Isn't that what good leaders do? Everything good, boys? Everything good, girls? Yeah, all good. Delegation, that's it. We play different parts, don't we? You play different parts according to our different strengths. But we work as a team. And so as a family, we've been seeking him because in him is all life. And when you meet him, you're motivated by him. And now there's a life within you because you're abiding, because you're partaking, because you've learned how to eat and drink and become one in him. So he's abiding in you, you're abiding in him, and it becomes an everyday thing. Let me give you another example that I'm going to finish of what abiding not in him looks like. We talk about the mission field. And commonly mission is like you go to another country. Correct? That's not mission. We've messed this so up. In him, you're looking for everyone as your neighbor. So you may go, but you're also working from what's in front of you. And like we've talked about, it's not non-Christian people. It's every person that's in your life. It's like what Dave was trying to say today. It becomes innate. It becomes one. It's not being a missionary is going to another country. You're always a missionary. You're always on mission. You're never not on mission. So if you're not on mission, you may want to see if you're actually an ambassador from another kingdom living on earth because that's another identity. You're an ambassador 
which was it Johnny or Dave who's to be representing the kingdom you're from. But it just expresses itself through you. You're not trying to convince other people to become part and trying to convert them. You just share and you live a reality. Then they have a choice. Do you know how freeing it is when people actually start having conversations with you about Christ because you are abiding in Christ? And they see Christ in you and the way you live and they start the conversations? Hey, Bronnie. There I am at Ruby's Cafe. With my Bible, unashamed, writing. For how long, Bronnie? A year? Writing books. Her and Craig, who helped set this place up. Thanks, Craig. With Bronnie the other day and helped Rochelle. Would come in and they'd just have a coffee and they would look at me and I'd look at them, we'd smile, say hi. I'm thinking, oh, they think I'm a nutter. Not sure. Don't care. I'm just being me in the corner. And then one day, Bronnie came over and said, hey, can we have a talk? And that's where things started. And she's like, how I go to this Catholic church, but there's something not quite there. And I just started to share Christ. It's all I know how to do. Share Christ. Let me tell you about the guy I love, man. Look, he's amazing. And something I know in me captured Bonnie's heart. And I love what she says. She, can I come? Can I come to your church? I said, it's not my church, it's his church. Yeah, of course you can, man. Anyone can come. And Bonnie's been here for how long, Bonnie? 18 months. She's been part of putting the food out for you guys today, coming here early with Liz and serving and making all that happen so you guys can just eat. I think let's give her a hand for those people that have actually put it on. Sina, I'm going to... Yeah. Now it's the music, guys. And we'll get a list so I don't miss anyone. So I don't miss them for tomorrow. But You know, it's like... You just be. And people are really attracted to people who know him, who aren't trying to do something but are being themselves. Now, please hear me. I will go there. I'm one of the first ones to go there. But I go there when I'm led there. And just like you heard, I love that. Jesus walked past the multitude to get to the one. Because it's what the Spirit was on. Because unless God is drawing someone, it's just your good efforts. And your good efforts are not works of faith. They're works of flesh. And they get burnt up at the judgment seat. So it's only works that he ordains that actually have reward. Good intention, as good as it is, is not God leading. Hence this need to abide. So as you eat and drink, and come into the river of life, get in the strip, the sort of slip stream of Christ, he's the first, you're in behind, and you get in the slip stream, and that's where all the strength of Christ is. The joy of the Lord is my strength because I'm not striving in me. I strive according to the power of God working within me. Amen? So Lord, I thank you for this partaking of you. I thank you that you call us to eat and drink of you, and it is purely eternal, not earthly. I thank you that you have made a way. I thank you that you are the truth. I thank you that you are the life. I thank you that you're not a process to the Father because you and the Father are one. 
So if I've seen you, I've seen my father. If I've seen the father, I've seen the son. Because you're one. Lord, I pray that, Spirit of God, you would bring to light everything that's been said. If I've said anything that's not you, God, I just pray it would fall down dead. But everything that I know that I've said in my heart is I've said what's of you, you would enlighten the heart and bring to light through revelation, through the mind, so we're able to walk in the manner in which you walked and fulfill the law of Christ, which was love. And out of that, people will be drawn to the light like moths to the light. And we can share the testimony of the one who is worthy, worthy to undo that scroll. The word of God. So sleep well tonight. Enjoy your sleep. Ask him to speak while you sleep. But enjoy your sleep and enjoy your time with one another here. Dialogue with one another. Amen. Have an awesome night, guys. See you in the morning.